Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carpenter, your host, and with me once again is Mr. Brandon No Way. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm doing really good, Mark. How about you? I am doing well. I am on the mend. I'm on less Tylenol today, but I'm still on a lot of caffeine, so I'm ready for this, buddy. <laughs> you know, we're going to do a, a, a show today and, and focusing on the Tampa Bay Rays uh, here at Baseball Biz, and it's been an exciting week for them. It's been an exciting month, but there's so much to talk about, man. I mean, heck, I'm, I'm still trying to catch my breath with everything they've been doing. Yeah, I was really impressed with what they did this weekend with the Red Sox. I mean, they kind of ha- they had a letdown series against the Yankees, losing two out of three, and then closing that series with a fourteen nothing win. Ew. I couldn't I couldn't help but go into the Red Sox th- series thinking they scored fourteen runs today. This weekend they're going to struggle to score runs, and just looking at the scores, they clearly did not do that. No, 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 no. They really showed it. We'll get into some of those games in a bit. But it's been interesting seeing who a lot of the teams in the MLB are this week. I mean, there was, there was so much going on with trades. And without getting into too much of, of a focus of, of across the entire MLB, I mean, Cubbies, good Lord. I, I, I was messaging back and forth a little bit with Sarah Sanchez, and it's like from uh, Bleed Cubby Blue. <laughs> and they are. You know, it, it's, it's a tough, tough time. I know a lot of those fans feel like they've had their, their heart ripped out. And, and it's impacted what they're able to do with the team. Uh, but we've had an impact on our team like everybody. Uh, some of our changes are more subtle, and not all of them were last minute. Willie Adamas is one we did, what, a couple of months ago. And then and some of the other things, too, with with uh, Nelson Cruz. We talked a little bit about that. But the thing, would considering during trade, you know, a lot of people are looking for arms, and a lot of people are looking for batters. And I think a lot of us were concerned saying, well, Tyler Glass now, we, we don't know how long he's going to be out. And this is like two weeks ago. You know, he, he's he got that injury, and he may or may not have to have Tommy John surgery. And, and that was, again, that was the mindset two weeks ago. But the people inside that building, and Tyler had to have a feeling that he may not be back this year for playoffs. You would have thought maybe they made some movement in that direction. But what did what did you see, Brandon? Yeah, I was kind of surprised when it came out. I believe it was Saturday. I, th- I think it was Saturday when it came out that Neander said that they knew they weren't probably, or they were probably not going to have Glass now coming back this season. If they did, it would be a surprise. Yeah. When I heard that, I kind of thought, why would you not try and go out and get pitching? Because to me, this team. The offense, I don't think, is the problem. They can easily score runs, but they can also very easily be shut out. So I don't think the offense is a problem. The bullpen, I don't think, is a problem, even though it seems like we have a different guy out there every single night. <laughs> I don't know who some of these guys are. The bullpen doesn't seem like a problem. And the rare time, I can't think of the last time, maybe 10, 15 years, it seems like starting pitching is the problem. And it's not like an offensive problem where they're garbage. It's just like it needs something to put them over the top because, like I said on last week's show, I just feel that Yarborough and McClanahan are a little bit too inconsistent. McClanahan's a little bit better with his consistency. I mean, he'll go like he'll give up one run, then he'll go give up three, one, three. <laughs> he'll he'll do stuff like that, and that's not bad. But then we have someone like Yarborough, who I believe a couple outings ago 
had what, like one run, something like that. Right. And then on Saturday where he gave up five mm-hmm. and if the bullpen didn't come in and save everybody's butt with those two bases loaded situations, th- that could be a different, different series right there. Yeah. And, and Yarbs, Yarbs is a guy I've always had. I, I, I'm worrisome every time I know that he's going to be starting. I, I know that he could be, you know, hot or cold. He could be on or off. I, I never know what we're going to get. And, if you look at who we do have, what we got, uh, Patino out there. We've got uh, obviously McClanahan and uh, Josh Fleming, who we can talk a little bit about what he did this past week. Those are some of the ones I first think of. And you got a good, good, strong bullpen. Who am I forgetting here? Uh, Michael Walker. Michael Walker. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I think sometimes he forgets that he's pitching too. Yeah. Well, when, and we lost the guy. You know, a, a, a one that we, we thought we, you know, I, I didn't necessarily see he was going to be leaving. Yeah, we, we didn't have any idea that Rich Hill would be leaving. And even in the bullpen, we had no idea that Castillo would be leaving. No. I mean, those were two guys we really didn't expect them to move. And Rich Hill was really surprising to me because it, listening to the radio, I really agreed with them. It was Pat and Aaron on the radio locally here. And they were saying that this feels like a move that's a setup for a, a bigger move. Right. And I was just like waiting for that move to come because it was like a week before the deadline. And I was like, it was just waiting and waiting, but the move never came. I don't, I don't know. I, I was wondering, I think, well, are, are the Rays going to pick up uh, Chris Bryant? Not that it would do anything with pitching, but that was a name I was hearing a lot about. I, I was even thinking when he throws his pitching, I thought, hmm, I wonder if they'd look at maybe getting Charlie Morton for the rest of the year. Maybe, maybe the the Braves would be willing to let him go. I, I don't know what we, who we would trade, but uh, I, I'm saying, well, if you're getting rid of Rich Hill, who, who are you going to bring back in here? You know, a seasoned player, somebody with experience, somebody that the rest of the team can look up to. And, well, I, I think Nelson Cruz fit the bill as far as having a senior who can share depth of knowledge, experience, and – Em, not just embrace the team, but allow those younger players gravitate toward him to learn more. But but as far as the pitching, I was still like, what? And the more I think about it, and the more I've learned about the deadline and everything, it feels like they were they were trying to get Scherzer because they moved Hill, and they're probably thinking, hey, we think we have a really good shot at this guy because. We did say on the show last week that it was reported that the Nationals really did like some of the race prospects, but the only problem is Scherzer didn't want to go there. Yeah. And and that, that would have been, I would have been singing Neander's praises because that would go against the Rays going out and trading prospects for a big name. But that's just something you have to do in order to win a World Series. Well, I, I have to agree with you there. And I, I'm thinking that I was thinking, it's, well, Scherzer, he, I, I think that, they had to know early on that he wasn't really on the table. I think he'd made it very clear he was looking. He wanted to be out the West Coast. Now I also know he wanted to be on a team that looks, you know, really strong as a contender for the World Series, which the Rays are. But if he likes the West Coast in general, then that really pretty much knocked us out of the case with our geographical location. Well, on West Coast of Florida, we could have thrown that in there. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. That, that <laughs> <laughs> <You> can specify <laughs> if we could just have sold him on that idea. Oh well. 
Oh, well, the trades are weird, you know, and of course the news came out on glass now that it's no longer just going to be him not uh, playing the rest of this year. It was looking like he's not going to be playing at all next year because Tommy John seems imminent, you know, get the surgery for that. And we may not see glass now for a while. Yeah, and that's going to make this offseason interesting, just wondering where the Rays are going to go because I'm sure guys like McClanahan, Patino, and Yarbrough, they'll probably still be here. Patino, I'm a little bit nervous about. We've seen some really good flashes from him. We've seen some pretty bad flashes out of him. <laughs> and McClanahan, hopefully next year, he can you know take that next step to being a true number two pitcher, maybe even like a, a 1-1-A situation yeah. when Glasnow comes back. Hopefully that is late next year, if not 2023. So that's going to be interesting to watch because could they go out and maybe go get a free agent pitcher? Could they trade for somebody? Or could they hope and stay in-house and hopefully get somebody like Honeywell or McKay mm. finally come off the IL? I don't, I don't know what happened to the two of them, but they they just seem to disappear. Maybe they're going to hope that they can come up and contribute. I've been keeping my eye out on both of those guys, and I haven't seen anything yet saying they're coming back anytime, you know, immediately. Um, but you look at that from the reliever's perspective, too, and like you're saying, Diego Castillo, who had been the hallmark, who had been the pinnacle of who we went to in a lot of cases in that ninth inning. We looked to him to, to close it out, and he's gone, you know. Uh, so who do we have left? You know what I mean? You're looking at Fairbanks and Nick Anderson. Both of those guys, you know, they're still out. And I'm not sure when they're coming back. Colin McHugh, I'm looking forward to coming back to, uh, sooner than later. See, he had, I think, a little stiffness or something in his arm. It wasn't anything uh, it was terrible. I think it was a, kind of a day-to-day thing. And I give Cash and the team credit for resting those pitchers when when the time comes. And, it's you know, if we see a need for that. So uh, we're talking a lot about these pitchers. We're talking a lot about the injuries. But – the thing of it is, when it comes to the Rays, they've got depth. And the last few games have certainly proven that. Yeah, it really has, because they can just throw anybody out there, it seems like. And Anderson, I think he's due to come back in a couple weeks. So he's not too far out. Hopefully he can be... I'm not expecting him to come back and be the dominant pitcher that he was like the first year that he was here, but hopefully he's at least better than he was in the playoffs last year, in the beginning of this year, because we could really use some of his help. Uh, Fairbanks, I think he would be a really good contribution. He just needs to find a way to stay healthy, but that's just something that the Rays have been struggling with all year, not just in pitching, but with the position players. And I think Kittredge, I think he kind of maybe, his success kind of helped lead them to push Castillo out into Seattle. And maybe he just sort of becomes the the de facto closer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I want to say something quickly about Kittrich, too. And and I think him and I, and I think Whistler, too, as well. Looking at those guys, they seem to keep a, keep a calm about them the entire time. I mean, Kittrich, what did he have? I think he had bases loaded the other day. And uh, it didn't seem to matter to him. You know, he was still able to go ahead and save that inning. So – We've got something there. And one other thing I'll say about the pitching, too, is we lost a guy the other day, We Jeffrey Springs. I mean, my, my gosh, here's a man trying to cover third on a, a dribbler. You know, the, one of the Boston guys hit, and it looks like he sprained a knee, twisted a knee or something along those lines. So 
Don't know how he, long he's going to be out. He he's another pitcher who who brings a lot to the Rays. From what I saw, it looks like he's on the the ten day IL, and that's just one of those things where it's just a freak play because I mean the ball hits off the bag, bounces to the side of him, he bare hands it, and then ends up messing his knee up. That that just seems like such a freak play. Yeah, <clears throat> most certainly. Um, well, in spite of some of the injuries, like I said, the Rays keep coming back, man. They make a difference. And what what can you tell me? What's happened this past week, Brandon? Yes, Mark, we're sort of popping the champagne a little bit as we're back in first place, even though we are about 56 games away from the end of the season. You can always celebrate your time in first. And like we were saying earlier, the past week didn't get off to the greatest start, you know, losing two out of three to the... The Yankees, they weren't the, it wasn't the greatest series, but they did have a very impressive win, knocking Garrett Cole around in the third game of the three-game set and putting up a 14-0 victory. And like I said earlier, I was kind of expecting, hey, I'm not going to be surprised if they struggle offensively this series against the Red Sox because that's just what it seems like they do every time they score 10, 15 runs like they did on Thursday. But that clearly wasn't the case as... Not every game, not every win was pretty, but they did get the wins, and they got a sweep of the now second place Boston Red Sox. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's something, man. So it, it's exciting times. And and looking back, even though the Rays did lose the first two games to the Yankees, when they did come back on that game on Thursday, man, they handed it to them. And when they handed back to them with their premium ace Garrett Cole, <laughs> it has to hurt. You're looking again at that score. What was it? 14 to zip. And you look at Garrett Cole, what he did during that game. He pitched five, uh, see, just a little over five innings, five and a third innings. The Rays delivered him six hits, eight runs. Yeah, and there were seven earned runs against him. Excuse me. Two walks. He got two walks and 10 strikeouts. (laughs) And he had seven earned runs against him. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. But uh, another metric worth noting during that game, one of my favorite, as you know, is left on base. And the Yankees left 15 men on base in that game. 15 opportunities for runs in a game where the Rays won 14 to zip. That's just a testament to the, the pitching staff not getting rattled and keeping guys on base and not letting them come across the plate. And to the defense for not making any mistakes and letting guys score easily with, you know, unforced errors or brain fart plays. <laughs> they, they stepped up defensively to allow that to happen with yeah. 15 guys on base. <sighs> Crazy. I, I mean, like I said, with Cole getting 10 strikeouts and then we had Patino. He held him, man. He and, he and his, uh, his team held him. He In six innings, he had eight strikeouts. And they got three hits on him. Head came in after him for one and two-thirds innings, and uh, he had one hit, two strikeouts. Respectable. Sheriff came in, and uh, he wrangled them all up and put that last uh, inning and a third together and only had one walk. It was a great game (laughs) to watch. And if you're a Rays fan, I mean, the excitement was just, beyond imagination but to see that many people left on base still just blows my mind 
I couldn't help but think watching that game. Because why couldn't you maybe score a little less runs today and spread some of those out throughout the couple games before? (laughs) That would have been nice. That would have been real nice. But they came back Friday with some of that same energy, though. And, you know, the Rays won, was it 7-3 against Boston, which was encouraging. I mean, and it started out with a bang. They came out with two runs in the first inning. I believe, did it, is that the game where Choi hit the, the two-run homer to, you know, in the first inning? We, we had so much fun going on during that. I'm trying to remember as well, because it was, it was exciting times during that game. We, there's been all kinds of crazy stuff. See, I don't, I don't know. See, uh, he had four bets. No, I, I think that was – actually, I think that was Saturday. Let's take a look at Saturday's game. i got a little bit more fresher memory on that. <laughs> so Saturday, what, the race came, and they, and they beat the Red Sox 9-5. And that one, let's see, Choi was at bat five times. He had one run, two hits, two RBIs. i got a feeling that was the game he did that. I'm not sure. So that was – that was Saturday. Saturday was a great game, too, because that's the game we had Kittredge up and against Nate Ovaldi. Okay, I, I'm sorry. It's hard for me to be completely pulling for the Rays when Nate Ovaldi's up there. I, I just absolutely love him. Okay, I, I love what he's done in the past. and But I'm still there. My heart's with the Rays, so i got to pull for him. But it's great to watch him. And uh, it was an exciting <laughs> I've, game. I've been there in all the sports. I mean... It's like, uh, sorry, man, but you don't play here anymore. <laughs> I, I remember feeling that way when the Lightning played Ben Bishop the first time. I believe he was with Dallas at yeah. the, that time. And, you know, of course, for the people that don't know, he was the goaltender when this Lightning run really first began, right. all the way back in like 2014, 2015, <laughs> when they were building up into what they are now. And then they come, came back and they, I think they scored like six on him and they ended up pulling him. I was like, that's great that he scored six, but I can kind of feel bad of for who it was on. But, <laughs> I mean, we'll take the win, but a little sad. Yeah, yeah. And I'm in that way with Nate. I mean, and if we looked at what he did during the game, you know, he 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 did well all in all. I mean, if you think about it, yes, it was kind of sad. He, he did have six six. He did have six uh, hits and uh, five earned runs against him. But uh, he also had six strikeouts. And it he makes for an exciting game. You know, but uh, but he was facing off against Yarbrough, and Yarbrough did five innings, and yeah, it was one where Yarbs, you know, you, you, I was wincing a little bit and getting a little concerned. You know, he had five earned runs against him, four strikeouts, one walk, two home runs, ouch, against him. So you know, Kittridge had to come in there in in the six and tighten things up, but even Kittridge gave up in one and gave up two walks. He had three strikeouts as well. And and, and Yarbrough's, to be fair to him, I don't think he was like, he went out there and, you know, wet the bed or did anything bad. Ooh. It just felt like one of those outings for him where, I mean, you're going to make mistakes, but every one of his mistakes wound up over the wall. That's yeah. just what it felt like watching that game. Yeah, I, I hear you, and it's hard to, to say anything against that. I mean, because like you're saying, if he had five earned runs and two of them were home runs, that, that says a lot. So uh, it, it was an exciting game, you know, and seeing what Franco, he got, he had his triple. Oh my gosh. And I'm um, trying to think of the RBS, who was 
Who is strong with that? <laughs> well, yeah, Mejia, Mejia, I can't speak. Mejia, he wound up with, what, four RBIs on that. So that was exciting to watch. And um, who else was doing it, Puppy? That, that's, and we talked about, of course, Choi. You know, he had two RBIs. He was looking good. Uh, what else? Joey Wendell, I always love watching this guy. He, what he does on the field and what he achieves at bat sometimes gets lost with the home runs that are surrounding him. But, man, you know, he, he had a great game on that Saturday as well. Yeah, he was delighting his practically cult-following fans. <laughs> I like that, practically cult-following fans. <laughs> hey, they were chanting G-Man last night. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's been interesting because having the Yankees and having the Red Sox in the Tropicana field, it is a loud crowd. And I can't tell you how many times I've been there during one of those games, and it just seems so pumped for either the visiting team, as far as the fans that are there, and the voice. But it's been interesting, Brandon. I think this is past week. The voices that I'm hearing as far as pumped up and cheers and excitement, I've been hearing more raised fans' voices, and, and for that, I am eternally thankful. Yeah, and that's part of like the good and the bad of having a team down here where you have so many transplants is because you'll have those big teams that come in here with the big fan bases like the Red Sox and Yankees. But it also adds to the fun and the satisfaction of beating them for in important games like this. Yeah. Like I went to a game a long time ago going back to the Lightning when they made their first Stanley Cup run years and years ago with Ben Bishop and Nett. And they played the Canadians. And it was so great because they're allowed, they're a passionate fan base. They're kind of like <laughs> the, the Yankees of hockey. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we weren't as big of a fan base then as we are now. And it was so great because it was like a last second goal. Everybody was pumped up. And to see all the Canadians fans leaving with their heads down. And after they talked so much trash in the games before, it it just adds to the excitement of seeing them. Seeing your team win, beating their team, and there's stuff on the line. And there was definitely that going on this this past week. So that kind of excitement, that kind of energy, to hear that in the Tropicana field. All I can say is thank you to all the fans because I've been very critical about the fan base for a long time, you know, going there. But this past week, we hear you. You know, you're out there, you're making the noise, and, and we hear you. So... Oh, wow. Hey, um, as long as we're talking about coming back to Boston, too. You know, the guys I've enjoyed watching, of course, is always, I was saying, Yovaldi uh, uh, a moment ago. But Renfro, Renfro is always great to watch as well, both farmer rays. And the other day he was hitting them, you know, he hit them hard. He hit them out. He hit one out to uh, hit the catwalk up there, one of the rings anyway. Um, and I got to tell you, you know, uh, maybe I'm going to come back to this because one thing I want let, to, let's talk about, let's talk about the last game. And then I, I want to talk a bit more about Renfro and that, uh, that ball he hit up here in the, the catwalk. Okay? okay. But, uh, the last game, Sunday's game, it was a little tighter. You know, it wasn't Rays walking around with seven or nine hit, uh, runs that one. Game was Rays one, but it was a tight one. It was three to two, and I, I was my fingers were clenching into the tablecloth, man. I I, I didn't know who was going to win this thing. Pavetta was doing a, a bang up job out there. He certainly had me scared. 
Uh, there were certain innings where uh, the Rays would come up to bat and it's one, two, three, and they're down. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, it's back and we're at top of the next inning because the Rays just were up one, two, three. Whether it be, you know, from Pavetta's pitching or being tossed out. Let's see, because he was up for 4.2 innings and had six strikeouts. Jeez, crackers. So he he was kicking out the same, by the same token. <laughs> the three runs that the uh, the Rays needed to win that game, they, they earned them all underneath Pavetta's, you know, what he was doing out there. And he was facing up against McClanahan and, you know, McClanahan's uh, Shane was out there for, uh, excuse me. Yeah, McClanahan was there from, uh, let's see, six innings. And he actually had one earned run against him. So it wasn't too bad. I don't know about you, but I was, this was probably the most impressed I've been with McClanahan. Yeah. We've, we've seen some really good starts from him. But last night, he just seemed like he was in complete control. Only made the one mistake. And he had like six strikeouts in the first, what, two, two and two thirds innings? Something yeah. like that. I mean, he was just mowing guys down and it just felt like he really couldn't do. He just could do whatever he wanted. It felt like. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a young guy. He he's performing and I was excited about that. I, he's, he's kind of unassuming too. I know in a post game interview, when they asked him about, you know, how he felt about winning it. Uh, let, let's play. So I got a little soundbite here for his comments and what he had to say about his teammates. Let's go ahead and play that. That I mean, did you see the plays behind me? I mean, it was awesome all night. You know, I, those guys busted their, their tail for me all night. And, you know, I, I had to try and repay the favor. You know, I, I want to put this team in a position to win every time I get the ball. And, you know, it's 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 easy to do that when you have KK making plays like that, Bilal and Wander turning everything up the middle, Yandi and everybody else playing great. You know, Z had a hell of a game back there. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a team effort. Ultimately, nothing happens without those guys. Okay, well, that's not surprising. It's he's uh, I wouldn't say it's self-effacing, but he certainly was talking about the support he has for his teammates and what they deliver for him. So I was glad to hear that he he you know he did a great job, but he gave credit you know to what his guys were out there doing in the field, made a difference. Yeah, it did. Because I mean, how often does your your outfielders? make up for your mistakes and you know you make up for their mistakes as well so it sort of goes both ways and you always got to give credit to each other and I, again I, I was glad to see him do it but you know I, i'm thinking oh we got this we got this we got this and then we're getting there and we're at the ninth inning and you know whistler's up there okay i like whistler he's doing well but daggone it this is the guy that's the closer he's got two hits oh my gosh what's going to happen we're we're looking out there, and there there hadn't been a strikeout or anything yet. Well, I, I think he did have one. I take that back. And then that ball, who was it? Who was the last man up there? Because it, uh, I wouldn't play wacky, was it? Hernandez, maybe? I think maybe. I believe so. Hernandez or Martinez, one of those two guys. I think it was Hernandez. And It was, it was near the top of the lineup. I know that. Yeah, yeah. So. We're going with Hernandez. <laughs> Correct me later. Uh, but Hernandez, and he hits that ball up there, and there is a convergence, man. There's uh, two outfielders and a second baseman running towards. So I'm seeing Kiermaier. I'm seeing Manuel Margot. I'm seeing Brandon Lau. And there they all are, running to that one spot 
bit out there on the turf, and I'm saying, who's going to get this? And it looks like it's going to be Laos. But at the last second, he stops. Margot's called it. He catches it. And then those two gentlemen, Margot and Lau, bam, they come right into one another. And I think, oh, my gosh, hold that ball, hold that ball, hold that ball. <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to have a run, and we're going to be going. We're going to have to go ahead and play the bottom of the ninth. But lo and behold, Margot holds that ball. <laughs> and because of their impact with one another, they, they also embrace one another <laughs> and out there on the outfield because not only did they catch that and have an out, that was the third out and the top of the eighth, and it ended the game. Boy, that was exciting to watch. When that ball was hit, the first thing I instantly thought when they showed the them running towards the ball and trying to catch it, I was like, man, they're either going to husband and wife this and it's going to drop between them or they're going to collide with each other and it's going to fall and land on the ground. But thankfully they didn't do that and ESPN had yet another exciting end to a Rays national broadcast game this week. And good thing the Rays came out on top of it this week or this time. Yeah, and the what happened because of that? I mean, let's take a look. What this meant was there's there's a, a main... Sea change shift in what's happening with the American League. I mean, well, and certainly American League East. Those last four games that the Rays have won and the last four games that the Red Sox have lost have changed who's sitting at the top of that pile on the American League East. And now what is it? The Rays, I think, got a 64-42 win-loss, and the Red Sox are 63-44. So the Red Sox are now one and a half games behind the Rays. Yankees at seven games. Blue Jays eight games. Orioles 26 games behind. Now, so you got to remember that one and a half games, that ain't much, but it's we're, we've got it at the moment. Uh, the Yankees seven games back. That's not that far. Blue Jays eight games back. That's not that far. Brandon, you, we were talking earlier. How many games are still left uh, in the season? Um, There is 56 games left. 56 games. So you and I were saying, oh, it's still early in the season. It's still early in the season. All-Star break in here yet. And, oh, my gosh, All-Star break has come and gone. But we're here. <laughs> we, weren't, weren't we just saying, hey, we can't judge these teams yet. We have to get to around Memorial Day All-Star game around that time. Then we can start <laughs> to judge. Remember when we were doing those shows? Oh, yeah, I do, brother. I do. And... uh it's interesting. I, I was looking at something that uh, Sarah Langs posted the other day, and she was talking about, let's see, teams that are at the top of their division as of August 1st. It's, it's like some mythical day, some magical day. Teams that are at the head of their division on August 1st, 72% of them win their division. 72%. So, okay, that means 28% don't. <laughs> <laughs> but 72% do. So those are good odds. And, you know, we, we've got a lot going on this team. I'm, I'm not uh, not sure where we're going to be. I mean, it's it's looking good. And the world's been able to see this, too. You know, we've been cheering our rays with the rest of the world, Brandon. We've, we've had the, the YouTube game of the week, and I really enjoyed that. That was the all-female announcer, play-by-play color folks with the game, and they did a bang-up job. I'd like to see them do a little bit more. Uh, then we had earlier this week the ESPN game with the Yankees. 
That was was that Thursday? That was the game we won, I believe. And uh, um, no, I, I believe that, that was Wednesday. Oh, and we didn't win because <laughs> we lost. Because that was the game where Voight almost lost it in the the roof and almost dropped it in the infield. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, you remember that? I mean, and uh, there was also was it the last play that Lemayhu was it Lemayhu caught or was it maybe that's the same one I'm thinking of is, but yeah, and it li- looked like it wasn't going to get caught at all. And that would have made a world of difference in that game, but bam. So much from the national folks, not even local, make it make their comments about the Trops uh, ceiling that a ball becomes, you know, translucent up there and sometimes difficult to see when it's coming down. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't, I'm glad they get to see the race, but I think it would be neat if ESPN – had local announcers do the game or somebody else. I, I, I'm feeling that some of these guys they have are, are a little tiring to me. Uh, certainly that's the case, I think, with A-Rod and what's the guy's name? Uh, the guy's, Matt Vaskersion. Matt Vaskersion. I keep wanting to say Vast Explorer, but yeah, Vaskersion. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, jeez, uh, the other night when, when Hunter Renfro hit the ball, I think it was a, one of the foul balls he hit, but it went up high and, and hit one of the rings at the top of the trop. And Vaskersian says, you know, what if that ball went up there and there was a maintenance guy trying to put a light on and it hit him in the back of the neck? I'm like, what? 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 There, there was nobody there. What, what propelled that thought into your mind? And what didn't have a buffer in front of your mind saying, that doesn't need to come out of your mouth? You know, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh, my gosh, give me a break. When he said that, it sounds like something that you probably – Shouldn't say out loud, especially over a national broadcast with a a team with a big fan base that you know is going to bring people in and a big intriguing matchup that's going to bring people in. I don't think that's something you really want to say in a primetime big game matchup. No, I mean, what does that say about you? And and I I got another thing while we're talking about ESPN. They do the mic'd up thing and they did the the, the mic'd up thing with, with Brett Phillips. And if you're going to have a guy to be mic'd up, Brett, Brett can be it. <laughs> it. It was a little crazy. He was having as much fun as you could have with it. But I thought I felt like they were making fun of him part of the time because they would shoot it to an image of him. And I said, look, Brett's out there talking, and we got him mic'd up, but he doesn't know we, we've got his mic turned off. And I thought, dude, come on. I said, get, give me somebody else. Get rid of A-Rod and get rid of the Matt fella and give me Melanie. <laughs> you know, yeah. Mel, was it Melanie Linton? Uh, she did a fantastic job. And I wanted to see her back in there again. So uh. I I usually do love Matt Vaskersian, but last night it didn't seem like one of his brightest moments. And I, I have a couple couple bones to pick with ESPN. I need a little vent session if you would, would allow it, Mark. Oh, please do. First of all, please, can we stop? And this is for college sports as well. Can we please stop calling it the University of South Florida? Nobody here calls it that. Everybody calls it USF. Prefer to it as USF. That would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. And another thing about calling things the wrong thing. If only there was a name for the Tampa St. Pete region. I We need to come up with one. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we could call it the the Hillsborough Bay area, maybe something like that. Yeah. Maybe Tampa Bay area. Mm. I mean, our teams Ooh. have Tampa Bay in the name, so maybe Tampa, you could call it that. Tampa Bay area. I like that. Tampa Bay area. 
Yeah, that's that. Uh, that, that has a ring to it, you know. It's it's a <laughs> couple of rings to it. It should have a couple of rings. And that ring should be at the phone at ESPN, and they need to pick it up and listen to you, man. And because what what the heck? Have a sense of of where you're at. And I think ESPN sometimes really drops the ball, you know, unless they're in Yankee or Dodger Stadium. They 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 don't have a, a thumb on the pulse of what's going on at locale. In their defense, it has been ten years since they've stepped foot in the trap mm. for Sunday night baseball. Mm. But I mean, they should know the place plenty. They've talked about the Lightning and and Bucks plenty of, over the last year year and a half. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I'll have my criticisms of them, and I'll just say it again. I'm so glad that we have the folks that we do both on radio and on local, you know, Valley Sports who call these games because they do a fantastic job. And I think because they do such a great job, it's more difficult for me to assess the talent and the capability of when some of these national broadcasters come in. Because, you know, one, I have a familiarity with those people, but two, they have such a strong sense and awareness of the team, of the area, and uh, ESPN, listen up. That's all I can say. Listen up. All right. Although I will give them one one piece of credit. They did not say that the trap was in Tampa. I did not hear that, thankfully. that That is a big bugaboo of mine, so to speak. I'd always like to sit there with, you know, like a cat spray bottle. Like every time they say, welcome to Tropicana Field in Tampa, I'd be like, no, and just spray them with a cat bottle. <laughs> I was like, it's in St. Pete. Please get it right. Yeah, that's, that seems appropriate. It seems reasonable enough. And and it makes the the argument, oh well they don't care about baseball in Tampa, it makes it even worse because well, if you want to get technical, the stadium isn't in Tampa. <laughs> but that's another topic for another time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and speaking of another time, um let's see, man. I want to take a look at the time that's upcoming. And by that I mean we were talking about the limited number of games we still have left. And now we're going to be facing this upcoming week. Let's see, get the Mariners. They're going to be here with us the next three days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I believe they swept the Rays last time they played, didn't they? Uh, yeah, so this is not a picnic, boys and girls. You know, they've made some changes too. So we sent them our closer. It's going to be interesting <laughs> facing Diego. So that's going to be interesting. Is there's there's no given on those three games. Then, I saw that Diego gave up a walk off homer in one of his first starts or one ooh. of his first appearances. Ooh, oh my! Well, you know, I, I wish all our former Rays well, just not when they're playing us. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I hear you. That's, then um, not to take any way thing away from Baltimore, but we'll be facing them in the latter part of this week. <laughs> and you know, we're always glad to see Trey Mancini and. And Baltimore's yeah. worth Baltimore. We can use the adage, they get paid too. <laughs> oh, oh. I always like that one. Oh, you're terrible. <laughs> then what? We've got the, uh, we head out to Fenway. So Baltimore, we we stay here, the Mariners, and we head to Baltimore to play the Orioles. Uh, three games there, three with the Red Sox. Yeah, so Fenway. Then on to see, was it Rocco Baldelli and his boys, the Twins? They made some changes in Minnesota. I will be uh, facing them. Come back, face the Orioles for four games. You know, there's opportunities there. 
White Sox come here, and White Sox are challenging, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know. I don't know. We, we've got uh, we faced the Orioles several times, and we faced the uh, Red Sox a few times still this season. So it's going to be interesting. As well as the Phillies up in Philly, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's interesting looking beyond what we have, too. I mean, you and I were talking earlier, say, well, what else is going in the world besides Tampa Bay Rays, trades, and everything else to be – there's that thing called the Olympics. <laughs> and when we look at what's happening with the uh, Olympic baseball team, there is a Rays connection. And that comes in the form of none other than the right-hand pitcher, Mr. Shane Boz. And what was it, last night, that uh, final game against Japan? I believe it was this, this morning. This morning? Okay. Yeah, so what happened there? Yeah, it wasn't the prettiest of games for the the Rays pitcher. I believe he gave up about three three runs in the start. He did get the start, and the U.S. did drop the game seven to six in extras. And a former Yankee pitcher, Masahiro Tanaka, was pitching for Japan, so a little bit of a a reunion there. Get to see him again. Yeah, he had stri- six strikeouts, I think, too. Yeah, he had a decent outing. He gave up three earned runs as well. So. Ooh. It, it could have been better, but it also could have been worse. <laughs> and to be fair, baseball hasn't been in the Olympics so long, so I don't know what's considered a good Olympic start. We'll see how that goes. But it's good to see Shane Boz there, and that was that was nice. Uh, there's been a lot, of, so there's a lot of crazy things going on with the Rays, man. Anything new and exciting that uh, I'm not thinking about at this point? Something else we should be considering. No, I, I believe we have it all covered for this week. But with that being said, something will pop up as soon as we put the show up, <laughs> like it did last week for the trade deadline. <laughs> and by the way, thank you for inserting that piece. Uh, you know, I mean, so some of the, what are we looking at here again? Let's take a quick look here at Baseball Biz. We're looking at that the Rays are leading not only the American League East, but they're leading the American League. And so that's great news. You know, we're looking at uh, some facing the Mariners here shortly. Uh, some interesting games ahead, including seeing the Red Sox more than a few times. And we, we're, we're looking at what's going to happen with some of these guys who have been on the IL. And uh, I, I don't know. The, the trades have been done, so that's good. Seeing Nelson Cruz, you know. And, oh, by the way, funny thing is that there is that one metric that said, uh, let's see, the Rays have swept eight three-game series this year. Okay? Eight three-game series where they have swept them. There's one, only one other team in the American League who does that. You know who that might be? Ooh. I, I don't know. Willie Adamas' team. That's right, the Brewers. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, a little salute to Willie and that, that gang as well. And uh, it'll be curious if we have to wind up facing them at some point, too. So, uh, guys, I got to tell you, I love this game. I, I love seeing the excitement and seeing everybody out there at the Trop. And I'm looking forward to a lot more of that, my friend. Yeah, it is. Hopefully we can keep it going. And before we know it, it'll be playoff time. And hopefully the Rays can keep it together and they can get in that playoff spot. And we can have another good atmosphere out there at the trot. Absolutely. Well, Brandon, I think it's that time to bring it to a close and say to all of our fans and friends who are listening today, raise up. All right. Brandon, thanks again, buddy. I look forward to talking with you soon. Any last <laughs> comments about where people can find us? 
Uh, they can find us on Tucker, Twitter, at Sports Blitz Pod for me, and at The Baseball Biz for you. And I think we were on pretty much all the podcast platforms I know you can do yeah. it on. iHeart, Stitcher. Um, Apple. Yeah, Apple, Buzzsprout. And make sure to leave a like, rate, review. And and if you have a friend, or hopefully you do have friends, I'm sure you do. <laughs> but say, hey, if you like baseball, give these two a listen. All right. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, so go ahead and uh, if you leave any comments. We look for, to hear from you. Uh, thank you once again. And we look forward again to talk with you guys again. Try this again. <laughs> and we look forward to talking with all of you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take R-U-X for the music rocking forward.